The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. It's time for the John DePietro Show here on News Talk WNRI 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePietro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePietro became the story. Radio talk show host John DePietro. All right, here we go, folks. The power hour has arrived. Good afternoon. Here I am. It is one. It's John DePietro. Weekdays. We start at 11. We go till 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at DePietro.com. This portion of our program is brought to you by K's. Remember, whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, stop by K's. They're waiting for you. Stop the try the uh, steak sandwich or the pastrami. I love the lobster salad case. All right. We normally talk to them Monday, but yesterday was President's Day, so he joins us now. Uh, we call our segment Political Monday. He's the managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. I want to say good afternoon to uh, Justin Katz. Good afternoon, Justin. Good afternoon, John. Great to be with you. Hey, good Justin, I, I, want to, um, I want to start off another day, another editorial from the um, Providence Journal regarding the Convention Center. This is kind of, um, I, I think it's kind of um, a, a little bit unprecedented where they, they run two editorials basically defending Speaker Mattiello uh, without knowing all the facts and kind of taking jabs at the convention center. Yesterday, two members of the convention center authority published a letter that the journal uh, printed. And then the journal runs a third editorial on the convention center today. This whole business of saying they're not trying to flip-flop on the issue regarding the convention center, of which, again, it's been widely reported. There's a grand jury investigation going on right now. That has been reported, Speaker Mattiello's uh, actions in regards to the convention center. But the, the journal, seemingly, they to me, it's almost like they, they don't see the forest through the trees. They keep calling for the audit. They don't seem to weigh in on this business regarding the, the, the real root cause here that should be examined is this, what we know as Joint Committee Legislative Services, the JCLS budget that is essentially $50 million unaccountable type of budget. That should be audited. Um, but they continue to defend this and still try to explain and spin this theory that maybe, and they, they seem to be alone with this. As far as the media, they're the only ones that I'm consistently seeing that are almost kind of repeating, regurgitating the media, the speaker's talking points, this element of, um, you know, what are they trying to hide that they, they don't want an audit? When when we've talked about this, I, I think, and I, I think to paraphrase you, you've said, why why can't both of them be right? But what what is your take on the journal, yet another editorial on this? Well, I... <laughs> I, I, along the lines of why can't everybody be right? You know, why can't we acknowledge there's chance for corruption uh, at the, the the authority, the convention center authority, as well as at the JCLS? Everybody ought to be audited, investigated, and everything ought to be put out there so the public can make decisions. I think that's a pretty straightforward position. And it was curious. I think what you're picking up on with the Providence Journal editorials is the it's almost like not take, rather than take that sort of high ground. They've more kind of picked a side, and that's what's been interesting in this whole 
thing. It's sort of brought forward all the messiness of politics. I mean, in, within a small group of Rhode Island Republicans, you've you've now got Patricia Morgan kind of on the side of the Providence Journal in this, and you've got Blake Filippi, who's, who's pushing back on the other end, looking for um, to audit the JCLS, and that's becoming frictional as well. It's, 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 so it's very, it's very interesting, and what's surprising to me about the editorials is that the it does have that feel of not rising above and trying to trying to give a a broader view, but rather to almost pick a side. In defense of that, though, the the op-ed that they were responding to today was from um, Brian Bruin. Bonanno, I'm probably mispronouncing that. And Bernie, George Bernie Bonanno and George Nee. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, when you see George Nee's name in there, especially in the editorial, they re- reference uh, Patricia Hill, uh, sorry, uh, Patricia Morgan calling it a uh, a favor factory, especially for the laborers union. You know, there's George Nee. So it's it's hard to say there's an innocent party in that, you know, and it, that there, it very seems very much likely, you know, with, with independent contracts that go out for a a few thousand bucks and suddenly they're with change orders they're coming in hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars when those things start to pile up you know it's just audit everybody at this point it's just getting kind of ridiculous and i think that's what's surprising is that we're still having to debate about whether we should audit just audit audit everything and i i so I'm, I'm not sure i see the challenge but the the idea that everybody is falling along these weird political fault lines is, is very telling um and I kind of hope it indicates that uh, a behind-the-scenes network of insiders is, is kind of coming apart. And you can see that in, in as much as the Speaker, Speaker Mattiello appears to be on an, a different side of this than, say, George D. I think in the long run, that's a very healthy uh, dynamic. That part I completely agree with. And again, the, uh, the argument of, well, if you have nothing to hide, then you should welcome an audit. That, that's not the point. It is... Um, accusations that the state police investigated. And for some reason, the, the Providence Journal editorial, they refused to acknowledge that if this were just as they initially tried to almost like blame me, like, oh, that's just something that, that a talk radio host said and posted. If that were in fact the case, then I'm going to give the state police credit and say that as they started to investigate it, they would have found, okay, there's nothing here. That's something that just John DePietro said. But instead... They investigated it. They found my claim that it was retribution by the speaker and exactly the phrasing he used. And then it results in a high profile, the most high profile grand jury we've had in a very, very long time. Um, And then we're hearing detailed reports about it. So the journal almost seems stuck in, they're still stuck in the place of, you know, Oh, this is, this is, what are you talking about? They should have nothing to hide. What do you make of the fact that, and I don't think it's positive, you know, in that editorial, Patricia Morgan, again, they suddenly, you know, she couldn't get the attention of the journal on so many things. And now all of a sudden they're quoting her all the time um, in regards to this. But I, I think it was, um, I wanted to ask you about, the Boston Globe has a big, featured piece on the House Minority Leader, Blake Filippi. And um, I thought it was rather unfair that they purposely go to Patricia Morgan. The reason why she's, if we want to say relevant again, um, when we last left or she left us, she had lost the primary to Chris Mayor Alan Fung, and then she was on board with the Trillo for Governor campaign. She's kind of gone silent, and now all of a sudden she's 
getting interviews left and right about the convention center, and then she gets asked about uh, Representative House Minority Leader Blake Filippi in the the Boston Globe. Um, what what are your what are your thoughts on that? I I um I just fail to see how she is in any way being productive towards the cause. Well, there, yeah, that is. Having watched this game for a long time, there's I've, I've found there's nothing the uh, the news media likes more than finding which Republicans can we set against each other, uh, and so I, I I do think there's a there's an element of that, and I, I think you know the biggest thing in Rhode Island is it's come down to such a on a right such kind of a small group and you're constantly under fire from every direction and so you end up with personalities that often just clash and i think there's some of that going on as well um but it is it is curious that she she i mean it's, it's predictable that she's she's now part of the story because the speaker of the house and the spokespeople all came out and said well you know patricia morgan was calling for an audit so that's our our justification for an audit of the convention center so that would bring her right into the the spotlight um but the the, the the behind the scenes squabbles among the Republicans that's something I just I don't really understand and uh, it would be kind of easy I would think to resolve and to not give the news media fodder to create these these controversies but with regard to the convention center I mean that's a an indication of how kind of jumbled up our politics are right now um, I want to come back to, and again, folks, good afternoon. It's Sean Pedro speaking with Justin Katz, managing at our OceanStateCurrent.com. You started to touch on, and I am hearing this from people, that it is a, um, there's a lot of tension and nervousness on the third floor of the, of the State House. That's where the Speaker's office is. Um, I mean, let's, let's be honest. It, 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 I'm, just, I'm reporting fact. Right now, there is a grand jury underway, and the target of that grand jury is House Speaker Nick Mattiello. That, that is a fact. Um, two of his right-hand people have been subpoenaed to testify, and their spokespeople have confirmed that. His chief of staff, Leo Skenyon, Frank Montanaro, a number of people are waiting for, it's like another shoot-a-drop in a way. It's, it's tough to do business when it's a tense atmosphere. And I think what happened last week... A number of people there are saying, at the State House, are saying it's an example that Mattiello basically has lost control of the House. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on, you know, that Anastasia Williams, uh, Representative Williams, I, I, I don't find her entertaining. Um, Mattiello, they kind of joke with her and let her go off on these long rants. I think what, what took place with these allegations that she was called... Uh, a racial slur by another woman of color. It is, it is, it's, I, I just think it's embarrassing. It's dysfunctional. Uh, I think people just view it as, like, that, that type of foolishness should not be tolerated. It shouldn't be going on. And I think it is symbolic of the fact that he, he by all accounts, has just completely lost control of, of the House of Representatives at the State House. Well, Anastasia Williams has been a has has not been with one to shy away from access to a microphone uh, to settle personal scores or, or or push back on people she feels has insulted her over the years. Um, 
that it would get to this point, though, in the middle of, of Speaker Mattiello's kind of swirl of controversies, uh, that does indicate some some degree to which the, you know, it's, it's sort of like when, when your car starts to go and one thing falls apart and another thing falls apart. Uh, it's, it's, each piece was already there and not doing so great. But, but when one, when the tension starts to build, they all start to fray and come apart. And I, I, I wonder if we're, we should be looking for evidence for whether this is just another indication of that. Uh, so I'm not surprised. I mean, it's, it's not entirely new to, to, have Anastasia Williams at the middle of some kind of controversy like this, and with regard to that, you can you can see how this somebody said something kind of off the hand. It was third party, a third party told it to her. She got all riled up and ran to the microphone to make a big deal about it, and that you could see that kind of snowballing to that point. Uh, but we really need to we really need a a legislature that is. This, this sort of personal stuff can be handled away from the microphone. It doesn't have to interfere in the public debate because, as, as you said, it's, it's embarrassing for the state. It indicates a lack of control, and it, it mires everybody in this sort of weird, almost adolescent fights about who said what in the locker room. And that, that does indicate more wheels has a wheels coming off kind yes. of a feel and that that's got to be if the speaker wants to maintain power uh, and keep things in order that's got to be resolved quickly um but in, in fairness to him we're in a kind of a very sticky situation there i mean i don't know you know if you try to have some empathy what would i do if i were up on that dais and and the n-words being thrown around and here i am a white guy i, I mean it's a, we it's also indicative of how complicated our, our social politics have gotten because these things are out there like floating hand grenades. You know, you, you just it's it's a very difficult time. And I, I have it's sort of, you know, and, you know, you have a month where everything seems to be going wrong and then the roof starts to leak and then the car needs to be repaired. I, I do have a little bit of sympathy for anybody in the middle of it just watching all this go on. Uh, but I. I do think it's an indication of all these problems that were were existing before, and there's some new tension. And it, it may be, as we've discussed before, the the gap between the speaker and the governor. That right there might be enough to be to be setting off all these chain reactions, where all the insider groups on both sides, say of the convention center and the JCLS, all these people who before had working relationships, are starting to feel tension. And uh, that it's going to be very interesting to watch. And I, I think definitely can put the Anastasia Williams incident on the list of, of growing evidence that there's there's something going on at the State House that we haven't quite got our heads around yet. You know, one rep said to me that the fact that a rep feels that it's okay to stand up and give that type of speech, rant, tirade, whatever you want to call it, and use that language, this rep said to me that that shows you the problem right there because there's other places where... That would not be tolerated. No one would dream of doing that. Um, you know, people can criticize Nancy Pelosi, but she, she, you know, kind of put an end to the squad doing these, uh, you know, uh, calling an audible and having a press conference and giving these big rants on the floor and everything. She, part of the job is you're supposed to kind of keep everybody in line. It's almost like a coach with the, the players in the locker room. You know, that said, Justin Katz, I'm curious to hear your thought on this. Kathy Gregg tweeted out of the Providence Journal, so Anastasia Williams 
dropped the N-word and was on Capital TV, and it's on cable. So the nature of that, they're not regulated by the FCC. You know, as a matter of fact, that word, although offensive, it's actually not a banned word of the FCC. If you are flipping around on television, and let's just say you stumble into, there's a channel, I think it's TV Land, and they still run all in the family and some of those old shows. You know, I, I stumbled into it. I don't remember what it was. It was back a while, a few months ago. And it was one of those episodes where George Jefferson was using the N-word. So, and then I think one time, I don't remember, there was another program. But my point is, it, it's not one of the, quote, deemed words you can't use. So, Kathy Gregg tweeted out that she said it. And then when people went to get a tape of it in the archive of it, of that they posted it. Larry Berman explained, for the common good, they beeped out the word. They edited out the word. What is your thought on that? I, I'll share with you. I have a problem with that. She said it. It wasn't a hot mic. Um, she knew it was on the official record. She's, she's right there giving a speech to everyone. Um, I, I think the record should stand. And I have a problem with them deciding... For the, quote, common good, such as, and I tweeted this on Twitter, that, you know, what if, the, because there are mics and sometimes a hot mic, what if we overheard Speaker Mattiello discussing with someone up at the, uh, when he's up at the podium, if, if he started discussing the convention center situation? Or if, if someone, you know, dropped a name or said something about someone? I, I have a problem with they decide what gets edited out. And it has nothing to do with the, the text. Of, of course that's an offensive word. Of course it shouldn't be used. But that, that word was used. Um, and in a news event. And so I'd like to hear your thought on them deciding on their own that they were going to edit that out and took that out of the official archive of it. I think you're completely right on this. I mean, it ought to be a, a hard and fast rule, especially when you're talking about the record of the meeting. This isn't, uh, you know, a, a synopsis or something that's put together for production for public release on TV or something. This is the record of the meeting. It ought, to, it ought to stand for itself. And we run into very, very dangerous territory on two fronts. First, when we put into, put into our heads that the state government can start saying, well, this word's offensive. That phrase shouldn't be heard. We're going to beep it out on the official record. Um, the official reporting of the session, that's very dangerous. And it's also very dangerous that we should be creating these words that are so dangerous we can't, as citizens, be permitted to hear them. I mean, that's, the, those two things together count, start for a, count for a very, a very ominous sign of where, where things could go. So you have this, I mean, the person to object should be Anastasia Williams, I guess. I mean, she came forward and she used the word for a purpose, uh, and they're now silencing that and, and preventing it. But I, I think overall, we just need to, we need to insist: you can't doctor a tape. That's it. <laughs> this is the record. Uh, if, if some, if you're creating a documentary on you know, speeches in the state house and you want to beep something out for that special purpose, that would be a different story. Or, or as you say, some news organization said we're not going to. We're, we're going to produce a video that doesn't include that word because that's not our standards. That's a private organization. But this is a government entity, uh, and the record ought to be the record. And we need to be able to have healthy conversations, and we need to be able to hear words without all, you know, 
fainting on the couch uh, and and being unable to conduct ourselves as adults. So, so it's, it, it contributes to the sense that, as you said a few moments ago, that somebody would even go out on the on the floor of the house and, and use language like that, or or think that was the place to settle some kind of vendetta. It all starts to contribute to this idea of uh, more like a reality show than a body conducting the public business. And I and I want to be clear with people because then Larry Berman who's the communication person for the house in Mattiello, he said, well, you know, the radio stations, they were playing it, they beeped it out. That, that was a decision made by them. And the same thing with the television stations. They were no, I want people to understand. They're under no obligation to do that. Uh, they, you could run that. I'm not saying you don't say, we just want to warn you. The language can be a little rough, and sometimes that happens. But I remember um, when I was at PRO and, and when Imus was let go, and there was a discussion about it on Lively Experiment, and one of the guests, I won't say who, but he used the N-word. And he used exactly what Ima said. And we were not allowed to use it on the ear. And I was trying to say, I, I don't understand. He's using it on television. Like, it, it just becomes, you know, you, you want to warn the listener, okay, just so you know, we're going to use this type of language. But they, they treat it like such a hard, fast rule. Like, oh, my God, you can't play that. Well, she said it. And, and conversely, going forward... Let's just say things heat up with Mattiello, and you have some people in the house that are calling for him to step down. And if one of the reps on Capitol TV takes to the floor of the house, in the state house, and says to Mattiello, I think you're a, drops an F-bomb, I think you're a, a blanking crook. Are, are they going to say, well, for the common good, we're going to remove that? No, 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 no. It's official. It's on the record. Here's what was said. Here's what happened. If you want to discipline that person, if you want to, children aren't going on capital TV and watching that. I, I mean, it's it's ludicrous. I think it opens up this door, and I hate, I, I really despise and take exception. And I always like to ask the question, who is it that decides? What makes it that Larry Berman, he decides for the, quote, the common good, that Anastasia Williams dropping the N-bird word must be removed from the official record. Well, who, who made you, you know, it's the ultimate, wrong. Whatever is said, if somebody gets up and gives some kind of a meltdown or tirade or whatever, they, they're, they're, they're an elected official. It's on the record. They have the microphone. It's not, you know, when Biden was at that rally with Obama and you have a hot mic and he says this is a big blanking deal or... You know, one time a Mike picked up Bush and Cheney talking and they see a reporter from the New York Times and say he's a major uh, blank something. I won't say it, but th there's a difference of that. They, she knew what the stakes were. She, everyone had her attention and she decided to do that. You, you don't have the right to then censor that out of there. <laughs> what it makes me think of as, as somebody who's been in public offices, your meeting minutes or your, your transcript of the meeting. Right. This, this was put on the record. So it ought to be on the record. And as you say, if, if, a, if a particular show or a network says, you know what, we are not going to play this word, that's a decision they make. Correct. Whether their audience will support them. You know, if people don't like the idea that you're censoring, censoring the people that you're, you're showing on your show, then they won't watch or listen. And if they want you to censor and you don't, they'll do the same thing. This, this is the public record. This is yes. a government document. And it ought to be ought to be reflective of that there the the thing with a news station if you 
if you see something and it's beeped out and you want the original recording, presumably there's somewhere you can go to get that. Right. You know, if it's said in a public space. This is the place where you go to get the original Yes, stuff. that's exactly that's right. The, Good point. So we, can't, we can't be doctoring it at basically the source for the original report. That's, I, that's a pretty pretty big step to take and it's one of those principles that it seems it seems so minor um i was incidentally you know the other night i watched a a documentary on jordan peterson and one of his arguments against using consenting to use whatever pronouns people want is that that's how totalitarian dictatorships come into play it's always there's always that well how about this far all right so we can censor the n-word can we go this far how about that and you've got no basis to say well because every decision is arbitrary along those lines. So it's really a place where you just say, no, there's no arbitrary here. It was spoken on the record. That's a, a clear standard. It stays on the record. End of story. Yep. And I, I just also, I think it's really important and, and that people be clear. And again, folks, good afternoon. It's Sean DePietro. We're speaking with Justin Katz, managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. Our segment is Political Monday, even though it is Tuesday afternoon. Um... I just want people to be clear that when the broadcast stations make the decision to beep something out, they are making the decision to beep it out. No one is forcing them to. No one should think, well, my God, you can't say that word. I was on CNN the night, the afternoon that the Access Hollywood tape dropped. I was on CNN with Don Lemon that night. It shows you how far, Justin, they had to get down the ladder to get someone to go on to defend the president. But my point is, one of the other guests repeatedly was using the word which you hear in the access hollywood tape of billy bush and the president and grabbed them by the blank and cnn unlike fox they made the decision they wanted the audience to hear exactly what was said so when they were playing the tape of access hollywood they were playing the word the next day in the new york times front page exact dialogue of the president or well at the time candidate or just donald trump and Billy Bush, verbatim, not zip, period. That's what it, it I, I just want people to be clear. When Larry Berman said, well, you know, the, the television, the radio stations beeped it out, that was their decision. They, they were under no obligation to do it. They decided to do it. I want to um, jump on and uh, just move along a little bit, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on um, someone that there is a piece in this morning's uh, Boston Globe, um, and it's Ed Fitzpatrick writes about it. He's gotten some some positive press. He is 39 years old. He is the House Minority Leader. I'd like to hear your impressions of Blake Filippi, Representative Blake Filippi. Well, I think he's he, he's doing a good job of, of keeping some taking principled stands and creating a distinction between the parties. Uh, I, I do think he's still. I mean, I'm not that much older than him, but he's still kind of young and newish to the game and, and there's there's an element of of I don't want to say of compromise or or balancing that that still needs to, that comes out as something he, he kind of needs to work on so for what I'm thinking of specifically I guess he was at uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, presentation and he they asked who you're supporting for president and House Minority Dennis Algier uh, House Minority Leader in the Senate Dennis Algiers said Trump, which is, you know, you kind of imagine him having to gulp a little before he did it, because he's, he's pretty pretty moderate, <laughs> as, as Republicans go in Rhode Island. Uh, and like Flippy said, Tulsi Gabbard, who's a, a pretty progressive Democrat. Um, and so that sort of thing, 
I don't think he understands how that feels almost like a, a betrayal to some people who are, are supporters of his. That, and I, I mention that only because it, I think it captures that sort of the, the young principled guy still feeling around for where that balance is. Sure. And, uh, That's a I good observation. I, I like that. I think he'll get that, uh, but it, it does take time. And I, But I think that alone is an indication of how kind of dangerous it is, dangerous it is for Republican Party or, or any kind of group to be so so kind of small because you can quickly you can pretty quickly become a house minority leader when there isn't a line of 30 40 people who have been working at it their whole lives to try to get some position like that uh, and so there's not as much time to learn how to take that balance but I, I, I think it's at the moment I'm not sure you you get the good without some of that risk of the bad and so it's, it's good that he's saying hey you know what the speaker said he's not doing any audit, but we're pushing forward for our with our lawsuit because we don't think the JCLS is being handled appropriately. Right, it should be right. the personal pu- property of this House speaker, and that's entirely correct. Yep. And that takes some gumption to do that. So I think I, I, I like where Blake's going and what he's been doing. I think he does have some some balancing to figure out. Though I think that's a very fair assessment, Justin Katz. I think you know, and he is new. It's new to him. Um, I think it's one of those situations. I understood where he was going with it, but then I think you also then learn that it's not worth it because you don't get any press if you just say President Trump. Then suddenly it's the top of the article about you in the Boston Globe. Um, but what I like is he he he's young, and but he's he's an attorney. He's um, when you meet him, he's very gregarious. He's outgoing. He's highly likable. Uh, he has a lot of qualities that I think remind me of uh, of kind of like a Scott Brown. I don't think there's anything wrong with this part of the country. If you are a little bit of a Charlie Baker, Scott Brown, um, you, you got to do a little bit, be a little bit of a moderate to survive and be successful. What do you think of Patricia Morgan's quote? I think he has a future. I just hope it's a conservative future. What do you think of that? I'm not. Um, I'm not convinced of that. I mean, it's it's one thing to be a Republican. I um, I'm not convinced that you have to be a conservative Republican to succeed in this part of the country. What do you think? Well, that wouldn't be how I. That wasn't how I read her comment. I think it was more. <laughs> let, let's hope he. Let's hope he's conservative because she's very conservative. Um, rather than saying he'll have to be conservative to succeed, and I think that's that's actually a valid concern in, in multiple ways. I mean, he does emphasize that he, he's pretty libertarian, uh, and there are areas where conservatives and libertarians among Republicans disagree, uh, and it is a particular bone of contention in the northeast where we are so i i don't think there's necessarily anything anything too hostile in her having put it that way um although there there has been this strange kind of bad blood between the two of them recently uh so i i, I it's hard not to read additional additional insinuations in there i thought you were going to mention the fact that he that she she said you know he's something like he's personable and good looking yes what is your thought, thought on that <laughs> i thought well you know when are women going to stop treating men like sexual objects as well? <laughs> but um, it, it, was, it was just kind of funny to see that. I mean, it's a it's a an interesting point that a somebody who's who's um, 
trying to assess the future of politicians, you, it's a reasonable point to make. Well, you know, he is good looking, and that that never hurts. Uh, it, just, it just seemed kind of. A, it seemed like an interesting choice of words there, potentially uh, meant as a little bit of a, a put down. Uh, but again, I, I don't want to read too much into it. Uh, I, I have a feeling at the moment that to some extent those two are just having fun poking each other in the press, which isn't necessarily a, a healthy... Uh, but let's have fun with that for a moment, because don't you notice that there is a tendency that uh, it, it, it's, it's as a put down? It's not meant as a compliment. Um, when uh, when the polls were coming out as the new governors, if you remember, and people were asking Governor Raimondo, boy, you know, in the morning console poll, you're 36%. Charlie Baker's the most popular governor. Her response was, well, you know, he's tall. Um, that that's that is true. He is a tall guy. I think Charlie Governor Baker is like six four, six five. But um, it's it's dismissed as that's why he is popular. And then you have. Because um, Scott Brown used to go through that a little bit. Scott Brown was a, a good-looking guy, kept himself in shape. And um, I, I think it was Coakley or someone like that made an offhanded passing of like, oh, you know, people just want to vote for someone that looks like they could play in a team or something like that. But what do you, what do you, but I, see, I think that is something to look at, that as we both know, if roles were reversed, uh, you, you could never say that about a female candidate. But it, it does seem to be uh, two, two elements, women... In politics, seem to be you. You can say that as like a dig towards a man, right? Well, she, Ramundo was dismissive. Well, you know, he's tall, he's popular. That's why he's popular is because he's tall. Um, and you can knock someone because they've been knocking. Like, don't you think Bernie Sanders is too old? If you, someone you feel is too old, he's too old. Trump's too old. Biden's too old. You can. There's discrimination against age. But I, I don't you. I think there is something there where it, it is. It's a. It's allowable to take a dig like that. And say, well, you know, I think he has a future because he's good looking. Oh yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a complete double standard. I mean, if you, I can't, no specific instances come immediately to mind, but we've all seen news commentators where some politician said something about, I don't know what it was up with that outfit she was wearing. You know, you know, some 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 woman female politician wears a, a crazy outfit or something uh, and then but then the, the man's attack for even commenting on the outfit as if well you know you you're just going after her looks to diminish her some so that is very held closely held standard but when it flips more and more it seems like we're getting to where you you can do the opposite you know you can say I mean, it's one thing if you go through a whole list of things. Well, well, Blake's this, that. He's doing a great work on this. He's he's very active. He's a lawyer. He's this, and you know, it doesn't hurt that he's good looking. I mean, that you could do, and it wouldn't be an insult. Uh, but when it when it's up there high on the list, as you say, Charlie Baker's tall. Uh, that that does there does seem to be that that ability, you know, to to reverse the old cliches and standards, and nobody really bats an eye about it. Um, Personally, I, I wish we'd just get back to having one standard, and you know, where it's all just speech, and we we can say what we want to say. Right. Um, but but we're not there, and I, but I, I think so. I think it's definitely worth worth noting that 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 sort of thing is going on, and it's it's as political watchers, it's interesting to to question and to discuss. Was that a put down? I, I think it almost certainly was in this case. Um, Although, you know, not, not the worst put down to, to receive. No, but, I, I'll, I'll, guy, but. I'll, I'll go back to with with Raimondo, 
Uh, Governor Raimondo, when she said about dismissing kind of Charlie Baker, well, you know, he's tall, so people like, it was, uh, it was not the way he comports himself, uh, the proposals he has, just the general way he comes across to voters. She seemingly was trying to dismiss the polling and the popularity as almost like, oh, well, you know, it's like a popularity contest. So he's tall. But uh, that, that is not the case, you know, and we've seen different people um, that are empty suits that are up there both you know, mostly male, and just because they happen to be, you know, John Edwards was one of the best examples. You know, he was considered this good-looking guy in the hair and everything else, but he he was like a total nut. Um, but it, I, I think it is an insult. It, it's, it seems to be an acceptable uh, insult where the media let both cases. Let's just stay with that, and before I let you go, uh, again, um, uh, Ed Fitzpatrick of the, of the Globe, it's maybe early, but he did write a piece and he mentioned a wide variety of people that could be looking to run for governor. And I'd like to hear, Justin Katz, your thoughts on some of the names that or, or individuals that kind of popped out at you. Well, I, I think the first thing to notice about the article is he did not, I don't, unless I missed it, he did not spend a single word on who would actually be qualified to be governor. No, he did not. No, nope. And that's, that's I think, concerning and how we, we sort of put these things together. Because what you get is this list of people. Uh, you talk about some of their political connections, their how much money they have in the bank, uh, whether they're term limited. Um, and so a lot of them, it's almost, you, you get to feel like it's really just grasping for straws to put people on a list or to figure and and in, in some respect we've talked about how Jorge Lorza had no no real career uh, ex- explanation for how why he should be mayor uh, in some respects it's almost how we find our politicians around here now and that's that's a shame um, so most of the list I'd I mean I'd he, he mentions the congressman uh, magaziner Nelly Gorbia Jorge Lorza all of them I it's hard to see the case for them actually being in the running. Um, there are a few who I, I think could come out of nowhere. I, I like that he, at the end, he tacked on uh, Steve Laffey um, because I think that's a that's a very intriguing possibility. Uh, there's a, a, a character in, in Rhode Island, you know, politics, I think could swoop in and really change the dynamic and, and does have a strong case for I know how to do this. Um, a lot of them... There are, there are people in the wings of Rhode Island politics, and the big mystery is why they're not, when they're going to come forward. The, the archetype of this is uh, Joseph Shikarchi, the House Majority Leader. Um, here's a guy with, I think he currently has more money in this campaign finance uh, account than anybody else in Rhode Island. That's right. Uh, and nobody's, he, but he's, at the moment, he's really you know, quote, just a rep. Uh, so nobody across the state knows who he is. So if he were going to run for state office, even with all that money, he'd have a lot of work cut out for him to, to introduce himself to the state. So um, there are a number, there are a few people like that. I, it was interesting to see him pick uh, Jeff Grabowski, who uh, was a chief of staff for Kerchiri, um, who Kerchiri as we all know, uh, committed Rhode Island to giving a bunch of extra money through our energy bills to Deepwater Wind. Grabowski became that guy, and the company sold to a Danish company. And now he's he's got to be rich after a deal like that, which even Ed Fitzpatrick mentions. You know, here's a guy he's he's got a lot of money to run for office, but where it comes it comes it seems to come out of nowhere that he should even be mentioned, uh, which seems like a strange intersection between just insiders hearing things and what the public actually thinks. So right. 
I think there's, there, and then there are the, you know, there's a handful of people who kind of have to be on the list because they're always floating around the edges, like Ken Block, Alan Fung. Um, Alan Fung, I, you know, I don't know. He's he's gonna have, he'd be an obvious choice to be on the list, but he's gonna have some work avoiding, you know, there's a feel after a few elections that you lose. I mean, in my view, he should be governor right now, but after you lose a few a few uh, elections, it starts to feel, you know, you have to start reinvigorating yourself in the public mind so that you're not last year's race. And so I think that's a big challenge for him. A big challenge for someone like Mayor Funk, who I like and I voted for twice, but I think a lot of people discount is every time you lose, it's that much harder, if not impossible, to go back to the people that donated to your campaign and get more money from them. That's what makes it harder. One thing for Raimondo is she's 5-0 and from general treasurer and then the primary and then winning and then primary and governor is she's she's 5-0. and Every time she's going and asked someone for money, she's delivered and won the election. It's easier to to go back and then get money from people and then build your donor base. It's very difficult. Uh, it, you know, they'll mention Bruce Sundland. He did run three times, but Bruce Sundland was also self-financed. He was a wealthy business guy. Um, it was two-year terms. Bruce Sundland ran in 86, 88, and then he beat Governor Dupreet in 90. By the time he beat Governor Dupreet in 1990, there were already storm clouds circling over the Dupreet campaign from the Cranston Landale. There were other series of situations that happened that that did not play to his favor i think a couple things uh, again i like to also inject this with things that i'm hearing and i talk to a lot of political people i'll start with sakachi sakachi uh joe sakachi uh they they the fact that he has that much money makes him not a favorite amongst a lot of the lobbyists and the people that quote kind of control the state because they he doesn't need them for their money so he doesn't need them to throw a fundraiser for him. He's got money. So they don't like someone like that. They like someone who says, hey, can you throw together a fundraiser for me? Um, he would, I think, he, I think he has a very good chance of being the next speaker if something happens and Mattiello goes down. If not, I could see Joe Sakachi running for general treasurer because it's statewide. He has the money. Um, and, and Seth Magaziner is is a term limited out. I think another thing interesting to watch is Dan McKee's actually announcing next month that he's running for governor in 2022. Now, I'm told they are convinced that that is um, kind of a domino effect. Now, you have Raimondo jumping on with Bloomberg, and if he wins, boom, she is gone, and she's taking a place within his administration in some capacity. So then McKee becomes the governor, and McKee feels, the way I was been told, that he already has people reaching out to him and want to give him money. And, you know, there's a thing, if someone wants to give you money, then you take the money. So I think that's, that shows how serious they feel that Raimondo could be leaving, that he's already having a fundraiser next month. And, it, and of all places, it's not at the Elks Lodge, Cafe Nuovo, um, which sends a certain statement right down from the state house. If you're having a fundraiser at Nuovo, that, that makes a statement, right? It's not like uh, the, 10, the old 1025 and having a time in Johnson or something like that. Uh, I've heard Nellie Gobia now is more eyeing lieutenant governor job because she sees a crowded field. The people that definitely seem for governor uh, are Seth Magaziner, are Alorza. Magaziner might be the more moderate Dem. Alorza are obviously the very uh, liberal um, someone whose name is tossed around who might run independent is Joe Palino. Although he's always been a Democrat, um, I think he 
he sees what can happen in the Democrat primary and doesn't want to go up against the lawyers and a bunch of the progressives that just, you know, go out in Democrat primary in that way and would like his chances better in a general if there were a weak Republican candidate and then he were the independent. Because Palino's a real moderate and not on board with the, the Bernie Sanders camp. And then the other name you hear is people already speculating about mayor of Providence and someone who's already laying all the groundwork to run is that is Brett Smiley, who's now running uh, DOA, Department of Administration, and um, had run for mayor, then was in with Alorza, Ramondo's chief of staff, lives on the east side, um, has access to money, has a lot of friends and influence, and now he's given out jobs to whoever needs one as Department of Administration, so he's already laying the groundwork. So that's any other rumors or anyone that I leave out, Justin Katz? No, I, I think I think between you and Dr. Patrick, it's, it's largely covered. As I say, there's there's nobody. There are very few people who, who the case is obvious. They should be governor, right? Uh, so it, you do have to reach out quite a bit to find them. But I do think one of the big dynamics that we, to watch for. There's a lot of unrest, and I know, in, in, for example, in, in lo- some of the local communities like Bristol, the even the conservative or moderate Democrats are starting to reach out to. Republicans and people who are conservative independents uh, as a to push back on on the progressive inroads and you see that for anybody who's got their eye on Brett Smiley trying to work his way through the Department of Administration as a as a way to become governor uh, that could be very concerning so it doesn't surprise me if if people are calling up McKee or Paolino or or folks like that and saying we need somebody like you to be getting in this race now right because I, so I think that's going to be one of the big the big contentious things to watch is the, those progressive inroads and you see that with Alorza and that might be why Gorbea is kind of backing down a little bit um, she's not going to be able to out progressive some of them um, that's that's going to be the big dynamic on the, the Democrat side and how yeah. that plays out we could end up with another you know three four person race uh, and roll the dice and see who becomes our next governor and when that, we started doing that with Link Chafee and, and it didn't work out too well for us, I'd say, in any elected sense. Uh, so a little bit of stability would be great, uh, but there's nobody on this field who, who looks like they could bring that. Yeah, Blake Flippy is someone to watch. He's 39. Uh, he, he's single, so he doesn't have a family tying him down. He's an attorney. He's well-spoken. He's getting some spotlight. People, you know, they, uh, he, he is the type, and I've watched him. Uh, I'd I use the term star power. I think he has some star power to him. He, uh, If you're a guy and you meet him, he's kind of like a Tom Brady. He's a guy's guy, but at the same time, he is in shape, and he is a good-looking guy, and women uh, women like him. He's not a policy wonk. He's not awkward. Um, he he could end up being a – he could. he's young. He is young, but he could end up being a formidable candidate. Folks, he is our um, – he's the managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, uh, great to talk to you, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Look forward to it. All right, folks, there it is. Justin Katz, our segment. This portion of the John DePietro Show, remember, it's brought to you by K's. Remember, whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, stop by K's. They're waiting for you. 766-1380. A lot more ahead on this Tuesday. Do you own and operate a small business and you rely on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well, if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is a perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data. 
with no contract, great deals on iPhones and Samsungs. This is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop wasting money. Call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal with T-Mobile for Business, 401-332-0000. Well, outside, you may have green algae and mildew and mold and maybe it's up on your roof or on the side of your home or building maybe it's on your deck or your patio maybe possibly you thought oh, it'll probably die in the winter time wrong it won't die it comes back it's stronger i'll tell you exactly what you need you need bethel certified soft wash now remember power washing can damage it but not with bethel b-e-t-h-e bethel certified soft wash Text today for a free estimate. Text Jared today for a free estimate. 401-617-2585. 401-617-2585. Now, you can look for them on Facebook. It's Bethel Softwash. You can text Jared personally. Same day, he'll give you a free estimate. Certified residential specialist. Get rid. The good weather is coming. Spring will be here. Get rid of that green mold and mildew and moss. Text or go to the Facebook page. It's Bethel Softwash. Text and then he'll give you a free estimate. 617-2585. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Well, remember, if you ever find yourself in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body. Did someone hit your vehicle? You know, you never know. How about that guy? Two DUIs in one day. Two DUIs in one day. And one time, he was driving on the wrong side of the highway. Well, you just never know. Drunk drivers or you have drivers that are under, they're impaired because of edibles. You have people not paying attention. You have people that are just texting and driving. If you ever find yourself in an accident, call West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340. It's Kenny. It's Patricia. It's your vehicle. They're going to work for you, not the insurance company. If you ever find yourself in an accident, someone hit your car, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They're right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. They will repair your vehicle, showroom-like condition, and they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. If someone ever hits your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 272-3340, for West Fountain Auto Body. You are listening to the John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI.
All right, folks, and we're back on this Tuesday. Good afternoon, one and all. Here I am at Swan. Remember, visit the website, thepetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. This is the website of The Independent Man. Have a lot more on Speaker Mattiello as the grand jury continues. I'm staying with my prediction he will be indicted before March 1st. I said it. My sources point to before March 1st, the speaker will be indicted under uh, extortion, blackmail, and then, then I believe he will lose power. Now, he would not automatically be removed from office. Someone asked me about that and said, if Speaker Mattiello was indicted, is he immediately removed from office? Not necessarily. However, he wouldn't be able to survive. He would be fighting. He's telling people. He's defiant. I'll fight it. I, I ain't going nowhere. But I, I don't believe he would be successful. There's other people there immediately. There'd be calls for him to step aside. He would try to use that as a bargaining chip. Hopefully, for our purposes, for sheer entertainment purposes, he will stay as long as he can. Because as soon as he does step down... I have I lose interest in this in the story, um, but that 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 will then be I think it'll move really quick. I mean, when Gordon Fox, when they raided the office of Gordon Fox's home and office that happened on a Friday morning. By Friday afternoon, Mattiello had the votes for speaker and they convened the next day and boom, it happens that fast. He's John D. Listen, uh, tomorrow, boy, tomorrow night, going to be big theater. Bloomberg and Bernie Sanders fighting it out on the stage. I know there'll be other people there, but that's the main event. That is the main event. All right. Remember, visit the website, dipetro.com. Um, and then also tomorrow, we'll have uh, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, but uh, that should be very entertaining tomorrow night. Stay tuned. The John Dion program is next, right after the 2 o'clock news, right here on AM 1380. WNRI and W236CW in socket, 1380 AM and 95.1 FM.